you know, let's face it, we're recording this and releasing this about mid-season 2022, and that's where stuff's in the ground. Depending on where you are geographically, your stuff might be thriving. It might be, you know, looking ahead to harvest. It might be like, boy, it's just emerging now because we're in the, in the Northern Plains or what have you. But either way, diseases can make you or break you, mostly break you, right? It's the mitigation and the management of those disease pressures that will help you actually get a yield that you can obviously profit from. And that's what we're talking about. What diseases we're going to see, what diseases we're going to have to look out for, what pressures and pathogens we're not even aware of. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, welcome to Cutting the Curve. We've got a great episode today. We're talking about disease pressure to be expected, to be looked out for, and to be monitoring in 2022. I've got an expert with BASF. Her name is Kim Tudor. She's the technical marketing uh, director for the company. We're going to stick a lot with wheat and corn because that's her area of expertise, but we're also going to cover some other crops. Kim, thanks for being here. Yeah, Damien, thank you for the opportunity. Again, my name is Kim Tudor. I'm a technical marketing manager uh, for plant health and, and focus specifically on our corn and wheat portfolios. So, yeah, happy to be here today and for the opportunity. All right, well, let's go ahead and write with your strength because uh, I'll tell our listener, Kim was concerned. She's like, are you going to make me look bad? I'm mostly focusing on you know, corn and wheat. I'm like, we can spend this whole entire podcast talking about corn and wheat. Trust me, there's all kinds of, let's face it, there's all kinds of uh, stuff right there. But yeah, we don't need to get out of your wheelhouse. Corn, it's my understanding, this uh, thing called tar spot. Uh, I was raised in Indiana. I have a farm in Indiana. I'm sitting in my office in my farmhouse in Indiana. Um, we did not have a thing called char spot when I was a kid. Um, now, granted, I was a dairy farmer. So agronomic excellence usually is lost on dairy producers. They mostly are cow people that also grow crops. Were we just not seeing it? Did we have it and not know about it in 1986? Or is it just that the thing invented itself and all of a sudden tar spot's a new thing? Let's just start with that because tar spot was never a thing until what? The last six, five, 10 years, right? Exactly. So it wasn't identified in the U.S. until 2015. You know, as of last year, the, the really interesting thing about this disease is the spread has been so rampant, right? So as of 2021, it's been documented in over 14 states, and I would not be surprised if that number increases in, in 2022. You know, tar spot, just like most other diseases, it overwinters in the corn residue, but it can also be blown in uh, from surrounding areas and wind currents as well. Um, and one thing that's particularly interesting, I consider it like a, a fun fact, if you can have fun facts about disease, you know, tar spot is basically an ascomycete. And, and another whoa, phrase- Whoa, 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 an azo what? An ascomycete. So I'm gonna give you a, a, an easier term to remember. It's, it's also known as a spore shooter. So what's really interesting is when you get these little tar spot sacs that form on the leaves, uh, Farm Progress actually put out an article, I think it was last year, when those sacks burst, those spores have been documented to shoot up to 80 yards or 240 feet in the air. So you want to talk about a disease that has the propensity to spread. I mean, when it bursts, those spores go everywhere. It's going to infect your field as well as your neighbor's fields as well. Yeah, well, like you just said there, uh, once you've got, let's say you got a particularly windy day and this thing is happening, so something that's able to shoot spores uh, 80 yards and then you, you pick up a wind and that gives you another 200, 300 yards, you've just covered uh, a lot of country and then you get to the neighbor's field and then it went to the neighbor's field and went to the neighbor's field. 
So since we're kind of talking specifically about disease pressure 2022, and we brought up tar spot as our first one, because it plays into something that we didn't. So here's the first question. When I said we didn't have this when I was a kid, did we have it and we didn't know it? Or truly, did we not have it? I don't, I don't think so. Um, because the disease, now I'm not here to say that it wasn't here before 2015. So a lot of that information, it being documented first in 2015, um, can actually be found on ipmpipe.org. But the important thing to note is IPM, that that is- IPM what? IPMPipe, P-I-P-E.org. You can actually go on there and, and track various corn diseases as well as some other diseases throughout the season. But the important thing to note is that that website is is it's it's an effect of us as humans. It's whether or not somebody decided to report it. So, I definitely think there's a likelihood that it was here prior to 2015. I don't know how long it was here prior to 2015, but the disease is so progressive and just so devastating. It's hard for me to to rationalize in my mind if it was here much sooner than that you know, that, that people wouldn't have been talking about it already. Yeah. So let's, that goes into, cause a lot of what we're talking about is, you know, here we are 2022 and you said that now we're finding this tar spot in corn in about what, 14 States. That's right. And of course, let's face it, start, we found it first in Indiana, one of the five biggest corn producing States, five corn producing States, I should say, it's not the biggest. Um, uh, but anyway, 14 states pretty much gets what we call the traditional corn belt, right? I mean, so if it if it's in 14 states, it's in the it's in the 14 states that make up 90% of corn production, let's assume, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and how, the, how do we go ahead? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. How 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 did we find it and then how do we detect it now? So tar spot is one of those diseases and, and folks don't, don't like to hear this, but if you wait until you see symptomology on the plant, if you wait until those little dark uh, spots that start showing up on the leaves that look like tar, if you wait until you see those symptoms, unfortunately, you're, you're really, really late. Um, and again, not to get too scientific on you, but, but there is, every disease has something called a latent period. Latent um, period, okay. A latent period, right? And, and that's basically the time between when that disease initially infects that plant and reproduction. And the interesting thing is, you know, with, with a lot of diseases like, uh, and we're talking corn, so Southern rust has a latent period of seven to 10 days. Um, you know, target spot, if we're talking about soybeans, eight days. But tar spot actually has one of the longest latent periods. It takes anywhere from 14 to 20 days for that disease to go into reproduction and for growers to actually start seeing a lesion present on the leaves. So you're talking two weeks or more. It's a really, really long time. And what's actually going on inside of that plant that we can't see with the naked eye is, is it's basically starting to invade that, that leaf and that plant and just produce toxins um, that ultimately are impacting the, the photosynthetic capability and just the overall plant's ability to produce and to yield. Um, so unfortunately, you know, I think, I think historically speaking, it's, and this is a generalization, you know, a lot of folks may wait until they start to, to see symptomology, right? Okay, hey, I've got it at 10% threshold in my field or 15%, whatever the threshold is that they're comfortable with, I'm gonna spray. With tar spot, unfortunately, once you see symptomology, once you start to see lesions, it can basically make that corn crop almost look like it was hit by a frost in, in a week or so, or up to two weeks after um, that first lesion appears. So it really is a disease where growers need to be proactive. They need to plan for it um, and also need to select a quality product as well. Okay. Before we talk about planning for it and products, just because I want to talk about what the potential bad outcome is. Um, I've got tar spot hypothetically and I do nothing. What am I talking about? Am I talking about losing 20% of my yield? Yeah, so we actually had several trials in, in Michigan last year, um, and, and the images from, from 
those trials are just absolutely devastating. We've seen internally here at BASF anywhere from 38 to 100 bushel an acre yield loss. So those, um, 38 to 100 and to 100 bushel per acre yield loss over the over the untreated. Go ahead. Well, and you think about that. You think about commodity prices today, right? Um, losing one bushel, you know, can cost you a significant amount. So one of bushel, money. seven bucks right now, roughly. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you said, let's just put, you said 38 to 100 bushel loss. Let's go right in the middle of that. Let's just say the average then once you have tar spot, it looks like it's going to be around 75, 72, 75 is about the midpoint of those two numbers right there. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's 70, that's $490, right? That's 500 bucks. And you just lost money. Um, okay, so I just brought that up as an example of disease pressure. And this is something that we didn't even know about until the year 2015. And now you just pointed out that if you wait until it's symptomatic, <clears throat> it's too late. Damage That's is done. Exactly right. uh, and, yeah. and it, maybe we can still salvage a thing. But if so, untreated, it's 100 bushels possibly, 3,800. Treated after you see it is what? 20 bushel loss? I think it varies. Um, you know, I think we've seen in a lot of areas, uh, like if tar spot is just starting to move into your surrounding area, just starting to move into your county, I, you know, it can, depending on how it comes into that field, maybe you just have pressure along the edges of the field. Maybe it's, it's not pressure everywhere. But the one thing that is certain is that if you have had it, in your fields before, if your neighbors have had it in their fields in the previous season, you can count on having significant pressure um, this upcoming season. Okay, so if if you've seen it, you know I, I have a house in Arizona. I spend in the winter, and they say about termites, you either got them, you had them, or you're sure as hell going to get them. Uh, is that what we can assume now with tar spot in one of the corn states? That's exactly right. I, either, you know, either in terms, had it, you either you have it, you've had it, or you're going to get it. Exactly, and, and believe it or not, we've actually—I uh, think it was first documented down in Georgia last year. So the disease is spreading. It's not just something that's that's centric to the Midwest. I think the Midwest was kind of the epicenter, right, of where it was documented, but it's starting to spread, and it's going to continue to be a problem. Uh, we unfortunately. You know, it takes time for for genetic companies to to develop hybrids that have resistance. To date, we do not have any hybrids on the market that offer complete resistance to this. Um, it, it's just going to take time, and so again, hence the importance of of planned and preventative fungicide. Okay, so let's talk about preventive. I want to prevent tar spot. What do I do? So, if you want to prevent tar spot. And, and I'll go back kind of to the pillars of integrated pest management, right? So crop rotation, if you've had it before, crop rotation is key um, because it does overwinter in the, the corn residue. Incorporation of that residue is, is often an option, but it's not an option for everybody, right? You may be a part, your operation may have um, conservation tillage or, or no-till, or no which has a bunch of other added benefits uh, in terms of water conservation as well as soil quality. But um, really and truly, it's picking a quality fungicide product and one that has a long um, residual control as well. One thing about crop rotation, I got it in my field, it's in my crop residue. It can, it is possible that it overwinters. I do a soybean rotation or any other crop, but generally, obviously, it's usually corn, soybean. Uh, that'll get rid of it if I come back to corn in my two-year rotation? No, I don't think that's quite long enough. I think we're still learning um, exactly how long you would need to rotate away from it. And here's the other challenge. Just because you rotate away from corn doesn't mean that your neighbor is going to rotate away from right, corn, right? right? And so regardless, you know, this disease is opportunistic. It's going to find ways to survive. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't think as with a lot of diseases that, that one season or one crop rotation away is enough. Um, but I think if we take sort of a, a holistic agronomic approach, it's going to set folks up better for success. Okay. So, uh, fungicide wax, tar spot. So fungicides, um, 
obviously, I, we are huge advocates of fungicides that have both preventative and curative control. Um, you know, any fungicide uh, that's worth its weight is, is going to help control disease, right? But not all products on the market today actually have that long of a residual control. So in particular, we would recommend ones that have that Revisol ingredient. So Veltima for corn and Revitec for soybeans. Um, it's got a, a, a proven record of longer residual control. And what's a longer, what's a longer, Kim, what's a longer residual? Are we talking, does it stick around for 30 days? Yep. Okay. 30 days is about right. Okay. So um, that's tar spot. And I know we spent a lot of time on that, but that's a great example. Now, here we are, it's 2022, it's mid-season. What's the next tar spot? Do you know? Are you hearing anything? You've got, you've got feelers, you're BASF, you're a global company. You've got feelers all over the globe. You've certainly got feelers all over the corn belt. And then you're, you're saying you specialize in corn and wheat. What are we hearing about? What's a disease that is the new tar spot? Is there one? Not that I'm aware of today. Uh, if, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, there has been so much conversation. You know, uh, I was out at a grower meeting um, in Arizona back in in January, and that's the question. It, they want to know what products can I use for tar spot and corn, and what do you have uh, for frog eye leaf spot and soybeans? Um, those I think are the the. Two are two that are very top of mind, but but the frog, the frog one I hear about, but I don't know anything about it. So go ahead and help me out with that one. Yeah. So, and and I'll be honest here. You know, uh, soybeans. Uh, our soybean fungicide portfolio is is not uh, within my wheelhouse, but I will say, uh, generally speaking, frog eye leaf spot, uh, septoria brown spot, anthracnose. Those are all diseases that are really prominent sort of in that southern geography, but generally speaking are starting to make their way northward. So it is something that folks um, need to be aware of for sure. Got it. We're going to ask you about the prevention and scouting here in a minute, but before we do that, we're going to take a moment to hear from our sponsor. Hey farmers, want to save money on fertility without sacrificing yield? Harvest last season's nutrients for this season's crop with Extract, powered by Accomplish. I'm Damian Mason. I'm host of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve, and every day we talk about ways to be more profitable, to do better by your soils, and I'm telling you this might be the answer. Extract, powered by Accomplish, is exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. So contact your local Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant to learn more. All right, so Kim Tudor, Technical Marketing Director, that's the title there at BASF. You obviously have a portfolio of fungicides. Uh, Revitec and uh, Veltima are two of your big ones um, and, and two of your most, uh, most current ones, et cetera. And we talked about using those for tar spot. Let's talk about uh, whether we care, whether this is the product that we're even talking about. Whether a pro what disease do we need to be looking for that's completely agnostic from any product. What disease should we be looking for? Uh, I'm a farmer. You told me that if it's tar spot and by the time I see it, I better get on it very fast because I'm already losing yield by the time I see it. What else should I be looking for when I go out and look at my fields? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and again, all of this is very geographically dependent, right? It's all dependent on your local weather conditions. It's it's dependent on what your, your local uh, disease models are saying. Um, as well as your own field history, you know, growers know best as well as their crop consultants, what, what the, the history has been on those fields and kind of what, what to expect. Uh, if we're talking corn country, you know, keep your eye out uh, for word of tar spot. Uh, other things to consider, gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, those can also be devastating. One in particular that I've heard it, that's actually started to come in in the south is southern rust. Um, so southern rust actually uh, blows in um, and, and can be heavily influenced based on our hurricane patterns. Okay, um, so so coming, in, coming in out of the Gulf. Okay, you named uh, two kinds of uh, spot. I think you called them a gray and a green. Is that what I just heard? So gray leaf spot and northern corn leaf blight. And northern corn leaf blight. Mm -hmm. um, let's go back to those, then we'll get to the southern rust thing. Um, if I see it again, has it already cost me money by the time I see it? 
any of these diseases uh, are, are going to cost you money. How right? do I know? How do I know what I'm seeing when I see it? Yep. So that's that's actually a really good question. Um, so tar spot in particular, um, those little black lesions that that form uh, on the leaf surface sometimes can resemble rust symptomology, right? Okay. The primary difference difference is is that tar spot, those little black lesions, they will not rub off um, of the leaves. Um, you know, if uh, and back to your question about, you know, what do I do? What should I be looking for? In particular, as we think about tar spot, and I think I mentioned earlier that it's an opportunistic disease. If situation, if environmental conditions are right for tar spot. They're also right for a lot of these other diseases. Right. So Southern rust, gray leaf spot, Northern corn leaf bite, all of these diseases love warm, wet, humid conditions. And I think one thing that folks often don't consider, right? Because most people are usually asleep at night, but leaf wetness is actually um, important for disease development. So several consecutive hours of basically damp leaves and oftentimes, depending on your geography, that can happen at night. So a lot of these infections uh, can start when, when everybody's in bed. Once you set the table for one disease, the table is set pretty much for all diseases. They all like it hot, wet, muggy, uh, no breeze, um, uh, high humidity, uh, what else? Uh, I mean, it's about the same stuff, right? No, you got it. That's absolutely it. They all kind of like the same things. The, the, the primary difference kind of goes back to that latent period. It's, it's how long from initial disease infection does it take before that disease goes into its reproductive phase and you actually start to see a symptom. So well, you'll, see it, you'll see it sooner with some diseases than you will with others. Tell me when I see the tar spots, those black things, gray leaf. I mean, I, you know, I look at corn and first off, I'm colorblind. Am I trying to find, uh, am I trying to find color? As, you know, I can see it when it starts to get yellow. Usually then it's too late also. What else am I looking for when I go out and look at this, when I scout a cornfield? No, I mean, I, I think you've got it, right? I think, um, well, first of all, it's not just scouting the edges of your field, right? Like nobody loves walking through head high corn. Um, it's not exactly a fun, fun experience, but I it think is important. the most effective scouting, Kim, happens when you, you're done, you know, for the day and you pack a little six pack cooler and you drive around and you just look at stuff and drink beer and talk to your buddies. Isn't that effective scouting? I mean, you can see it. You can you can cover more ground that way, right? It's probably more enjoyable for people that way. I, you know, I guess there and there's power in numbers, right? So I guess if there's a group of you out there, um, that right, always so, so can when help. I go out, when I go out and look at these fields, can I see this on a drone, or do I need to get out there and touch it? Well, you know, with some of the rusts, you can have symptomology both on top of the leaf of the leaves as well as underneath the leaves. Um, I would say, you know, drones are incredible tools, and 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 I'm not here to dismiss them because you have the ability to zoom in super tight. But I I'm hard pressed to to believe that it that they can take the place of an actual human laying their hands on the plants and, and walking through the fields. Again, I think they're an incredible tool, a support tool, um, can be used for a lot of different things, but, but in particular, if you're trying to catch a lot of these diseases early, so before the leaves have really started to turn yellow, before you start to see any tip dieback, anything like that, it, it's important to actually be out in your fields. All right, so I talked to you about prevention. It sounds like essentially, it's they are diseases and um, weather has a lot to do with it. You can do crop rotation, um, but there's not a lot we can do in terms of prevention. Then it comes down to treatment. Prevention is treatment is in preventative treatment because I can't change the weather. Uh, I can do crop rotation. My neighbors might not do crop rotation. Some of this stuff can move. It sounds like it can move a mile pretty easily. It can move 10 miles pretty. There's a reason it went from Indiana to Georgia in a few years, right? It can move. Exactly. Like, it, it, exactly. So preventative treatment sounds like it's what we're talking about. And this, again, we're most talking about corn stuff, but that's okay. We grow 93 million acres of corn in this country. So a lot of people listening are corn producers. What are we doing for preventative treatment, Kim? 
So to be preventative, and I think it goes back to with a lot of these diseases, um, it's about being proactive instead of reactive, right? So sitting down, um, having the conversation with your consultants, having the conversations with your retailers. Um, ideally, in my opinion, it's picking a quality product. Um, uh, again, we talked about Beltima and Revitech, so long residual control. They've got some of the best modes of action to combat these diseases. And the other thing that's that I think a lot of people often forget because they can become hyper-focused on the disease, or, or an even better analogy is like with herbicides. If you pick a quality herbicide, you go out, you make a timely application, either the weeds die or they don't die, right? But with fungicides, you know, in, in particular with, with our, our BASF portfolio, you know, we have proven plant health benefits. So even if you're not in, in a disease heavy area, mm -hmm. there are still um, other components of plant health that these products help support. So mitigating environmental stress, whether it's drought, or hail or heat, uh, as well as improved growth efficiency. So we've been able to actually document and show how our products increase nitrogen assimilation, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, nitrogen is really important for photosynthesis um, and basically keeping that machine inside that plant running um, to ultimately drive, to drive more yield. Uh, <clears throat> preventative treatment, and then you've obviously talked about, and, and you would be remiss if you didn't mention your own products because you do work for BASF. And you said that those two fungicides Revitec and, and Veltima, one is for corn, one is for soybeans, right? Veltima is for the corn side? Yeah, that's exactly right. You said they have a the active ingredient that gives the residual, that means it, it has residual in that plant for up to a month, is uh, Re Revisol, is that what you said? That's correct. It's the Revisol uh, okay. component, exactly. Right, now, I, I'm not being mean by any means, but I do have to serve the listener. Is that, a pro is that active ingredient found in competitive products as well, or is it proprietary to BASF? No, it's completely proprietary to BASF. Okay. The stuff that I'm out here as a farmer and I, I know that I can't prevent stuff that's just going to blow in from, you know, the next county over. Um, so we talked about prevention other than crop rotation. There's not a lot I can do and, and I can't change the weather. Preventative, and you said proactive versus reactive in way of treatment. Um, I use fungicide. <clears throat> Does fungicide take care of all of We've talked, we've talked about stuff that fungicide treats, but there are other diseases that are not just fungicide uh, treatable. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. So, for example, uh, in the Midwest right now, and I'm going to shift focus a little bit and, and talk <clears throat> a little bit out of my wheelhouse, so bear with me, about soybeans. But, you know, with a, a slightly wetter, wetter planting season uh, in certain parts of the Midwest and in particular uh, up into some of the Northern geographies, they've actually been battling a lot of seedling diseases as of late. And, and truly the best um, way to mitigate some of those uh, seedling diseases is actually with a, a quality seed treatment product. That, that's that's where I was really hoping you were going to go. And, you know, you were concerned that we're going to show a chink in your armor because you're not a soybean girl. But that's what I've been hearing a little bit about, you know, is that we went into some colder, wetter soils. And and so there's going to be this issue, seed treatment. So that's going to prevent. And what diseases are we talking about? That's not a fungus so primarily the one that I've heard the most about, and again, uh, you know, not, not my wheelhouse, but Pythium in particular has been a really bad one um, this season. Uh, and in terms of product recommendations, uh, Relania, which is a fun name to say, and uh, Poncho XC uh, are two. Those are that, seed treatments. Mm -hmm. Those are they seed are treatments two, for soybeans. Uh, yes, that have been recommended this year in particular. Then we talk about prevention, just stay the hell out of cold, wet soil, right? Well, but sometimes you don't have a choice, right? I mean, it's either get it planted or or I run the risk of having to do prevent plant. And and when you're in a season like this where commodity prices are, are really doing well, you know, that, could, that can be a little bit of a difficult pill to swallow. Um, I think we do have some great seed treatment products available um, that, you know, and a lot of times, and, and the weather's fickle, right? The weather could change. We could, we could start out having uh, really cold, really wet, 
basically early spring, right into planting season, and then be dry, you know, for the next two months. Um, it's just unpredictable. Well, clearly, and, I was uh, playing the devil's advocate there. Uh, you know, I, I'm a fan of the farm guy. I think you should stay out of cold, wet if it's going to compact your soil and it's going to cause you a problem. But the other issue is, frankly, let's face it, not only the things you talked about, but sometimes you go into what seems like is trending perfectly well, and then it turns cold and wet. I mean, I'm from Northeast Indiana, and we've had that happen plenty of times. April 20th looks a hell of a lot better uh, than, than May 7th. Uh, you know, that's happened plenty of times here where I live. Um, diseases that are on the horizon, is there anything that's looming? Is there is there a boogeyman out there? I mean, you got to sell chemistry. So if you got to sell chemistry, you've got to make sure you, you do a little, do a little scare, fear factor here, Kim. Tell them that there's something terrible coming and you better just load up on our products because by golly, this thing is going to be the Armageddon. Am I right? No, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and truly, um, all, all of our, our tech service reps, all of our sales reps, we haven't heard of anything um, new or scary that's coming. Uh, again, I think it, most people, particularly in corn country, have been really concerned about tar spot. Um up in the, the northern geography, even if, and we haven't really talked much about wheat, but those guys are just desperate to get seed in the ground. Um, so, you yeah, know, every year. Listen, before we talk about spring wheat, I want to get to that in a minute. So, you're saying that there's nothing new that's on the horizon that is being found in the panhandle of Oklahoma that's going to hit all of us. There's nothing that we need to be scared about like that. But there are still the very real existences of tire spot, gray leaf, northern leaf blight, um, et cetera. And then you mentioned a southern phenomenon, something we're probably not going to see up here in the northern, northeastern Indiana, but it's something you said hurricane induced, and you called it something rust. Is it southern rust? Southern rust. Southern, southern rust, rust absolutely. That affects just corn? Yep. So southern rust is, is a disease in corn. Um, it, it, is very much influenced in terms of when the South will see it uh, based on wind currents as a function of our hurricane season. Um, you know, we have heard reports, it has already shown up in the South, uh, Alabama, Georgia, that area has already seen it. Because it's usually warmer in the South, they can plant a little sooner. Oftentimes that disease from a, a corn growth stage perspective comes in a little bit later season um, word on the street is those applications, a lot of that corn is, is starting to reach uh, that VT or that tassel timing now. Um, of course, there's, there's a range based on planting date, but the, most of those applications have gone out. Uh, and then as that disease kind of blows its way northward, you know, you think about basically planting date being a little bit later and a little bit later as you kind of move up in, in uh, latitude, um, it can come in a little bit earlier in the season as you start to approach the Midwest. Um, but again, that's that's the beauty of, of a product like Veltima is because we do have that expanded application window where you can take those applications as early as V10. So real quickly, still have that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a guy that was going to try and be an agronomist and there's too much science. So I became an agricultural economics major. Um, you said Southern Rust. And then you're talking about treating it with a fungicide. Is rust a fungus? Yes, it is. Uh, the name specifically, now you are testing me. Well, there testing. you go. I want testing our you're testing me on my lap. I want our listeners to realize that we're not pulling punches here, uh, that we're actually getting the bottom of it. Because I didn't think that, I honestly didn't know that rust was, this, I thought it was kind of like a cousin, but I don't know. Puccinia sorghi is, is the Latin name. Yeah, don't ask me to spell that. Okay, Petrinia sorghi is what? That's the southern rust? Mm -hmm. And that is a fungus? Well, technically, Puccinia polysora, if, if you want to be real technical. Well, I appreciate your technicality. So, that's, so that is what we call southern rust, and southern rust is then a fungus? Yes. Okay. That's exactly right. So a fungicide, a, a fungicide uh, treatment will do it. Do we whack these things once? Are we really talking about, do we need to, do we need to hit this stuff? Even with 30 days residual, is our window, Kim, is our window such that we can take care of it with one pass or are we really needing to whack this stuff twice? Well, I think 
again, every situation is unique, right? Depending on the geography, depending on uh, you as a grower, what your, your practices are, you know, how aggressively you're chasing yield. Um, I would say broad brush stroke. If we, if we looked at all the data collected over the years, you know, sands geography, generally speaking, the sweet spot, if you will, for making, if you're just going to make one fungicide application, generally speaking, is around that BTR1 timeframe. Uh, consistently, BTR, that's BTR1 shown, for the person that's listening to this, that's kind of maybe like still new to this thing means? Full tassel. Full tassel and the corn's just starting to enter its reproductive phases. Um, so it, it consistently has shown the best bang for your buck if you're going to go out with one shot. Now, if you are in a situation where um, maybe you're in tar spot country, maybe you had some different heavy disease pressure last year, uh, those are going to be situations where we would recommend sequential applications. Um, generally speaking, we're going to try and keep those applications between 20 and 28 days apart. Again, that kind of that 30 day residual window, we want to make sure that we have coverage. Um, so for growth stages for two applications in corn, we're going to be talking about V14 and then that R2 to R3 timing. So a little bit later reproductive phase. Again, the primary focus. V14 for a guy like me that, uh, that dropped out of agronomy is we're talking that corn is, uh, is um, uh, two weeks away from tasseling, three weeks away from tasseling. It's- Yeah, uh, that's about right. My yeah. part of Indiana, I'd call that somewhere around um, probably uh, early July. Yeah. Yeah, depending on planting date, of course. Sure, of course, but on average, okay. Um, disease pressure 2022 is what we're talking about here. And then you wanted to bring up wheat. I know we're going a little long, but this is a, this is a great segment to cover anyway, because we just have to. What are we hearing about wheat? Um, it's like you said, spring wheat, it's June. We're recording this now on June 8th, and there's still spring wheat in the upper plains that hasn't even been planted. And that seems like that's about a month and a half too late, doesn't it? Yeah, so you're exactly right. You hit the nail right on the head. Um, uh, wheat, spring wheat, particularly up like in the, the Dakotas, they're anywhere from several weeks up to a month late on planting there. Again, planting kind of in cold, wet soils. Um, you know, anytime you delay planting, anytime you're planting on, in not ideal conditions, you run the risk for higher disease pressure. Um, so I think a lot of, of our wheat growers have, have taken advantage of um, seed treatments, right? To help get a good stand, to help get that seed out of the ground. They're gonna be looking out for uh, leaf rust pressure a little bit earlier in the season, um, but, What's been on a lot of people's minds, and again, it actually came up at that, that meeting that I was um, at in Arizona a while back, uh, is this idea of head scab or fusarium head blight, which is another fungal pathogen in wheat. And the reason that fusarium head blight or head scab is a problem is because it actually produces, again, I'm going to throw another term at you, called a vomitoxin. Um, Here's what you need to know about vomitoxins. FDA has regulated the level of vomitoxin that can be present in cereals that are gonna be used for, for baking and, and malting. Um, and that threshold level is actually really low. It's we had this problem, Kim, we had this problem like maybe I wanna say 10 years ago here in Indiana where the corn, we had a, some of the corn couldn't even be ground for uh, livestock feed because there was too much yep. of a vomitoxin in it, I believe. And so now you're talking about wheat, which mostly doesn't go to hog feed. It mostly goes to human consumption. So exactly. the, levels, the levels that are tolerable are even less, right? Yeah. So you're talking one to two part per million. And just think about that. That's one to two kernels in a million kernels. Um, it can cause th this vomitoxin, uh, in particular that fusarium head blight produces, um, it's abbreviated DON, D-O-N, because it's a really long, complicated name and nobody likes to say it. So DON, um, 
can come in and cause both acute as well as uh, long-term kind of toxic effects. So uh, again, that's why those regulations are in place. Um, and the thing that's really, so this is a quality problem, right? So folks need to keep in mind, you know, look, that's a really low threshold. You take that grain to the elevator. We've seen dockage fees, you know, anywhere from 25 cents a bushel up to over a dollar a bushel. Um, so again, trying to optimize your return on investment, that, that is something that should, I think, be kept and is top of mind for a lot of wheat growers um, this season. You know, we were talked about the, the spread of tar spot. Uh, we actually took a look at some data. Um, at something that I think is interesting is that not only have we seen the intensity of treatment for fusarium head blight increase within its current geography, but it's also spreading to new geographies. It, it's learned how to be more prevalent in more places. Well, exactly. So all of these diseases are opportunistic. And I think what's really interesting is if you take a look at some of the weather data and disease trends, again, these places like warm, humid, and wet. And as our weather patterns just across the country continue to evolve, it, it's not a surprise to me that this continues to pop up in new places. Um, you know, but again, Dawn is one of those later season diseases. So in terms of treatment, um, we're gonna want, you're gonna wanna apply a fungicide at that early to mid flowering stage. Um, so a little bit later on in the season uh, and our latest uh, wheat fungicide development is a product called Spherex. Um, it is proven to reduce Dawn better than you know, any of the competitors and ultimately it's critical for protecting your wheat quality. Can I spray wheat just once and be fine because really it's got a shorter season anyway, right? I think it depends. It depends on if you're talking spring wheat or winter wheat. Um, but no, uh, it, it, well, that, that's not really a fair answer. You can, some people do get by with one application, right? But every year is different. Every operation is different. Um, I think it depends on if you're in an area and you're lucky enough that you don't get uh, fusarium head blight or dawn pressure, you know, maybe you're just de dealing with a lot of these leaf rusts that can kind of come in earlier in the season. Yeah, you may be able to get by with one. But Dawn in particular, it actually enters the plant, the wheat plant through the anthers, which is part of the flowers. And so that's why the timing of this application is so critical. If you don't get enough of that protective fungicide to cover all of those flowers, um, you're, you're leaving your wheat uh, susceptible um, to fusarium head scab. What have we not talked about in way of wheat uh, disease that uh... I need to know and everybody that produces wheat needs to know. We talk mostly about this Don stuff. Is there something else? Is there something out there that's new or something out there that's not new that people are overlooking? No, I, I don't know that there's anything new um, per se in terms of, of what to look out for. I think it's the traditional things. Keep an eye on, on your leaf rusts. Um, you know, a lot of the times those applications, uh, for us, it's going to be a, a Preaxor or a Nexacore product. Those are going to go out a little bit um, earlier in the season. And depending on the geography and where you are, a lot of people like to go out with a, a tank mix at the, the herbicide timing, so earlier in the season. Um, but for Dawn in particular, again, just want to reiterate how important the growth stages for that particular application. Um, and that product can be applied either by ground rig or by air. Yeah, so before I have to go over a wheat, and I know this is uh, an interesting question that probably the some of these more uh, advanced farmers are saying, Damien, for crying out loud, if I got to drive over this stuff two times, I start to lose yield just from beating my crop up by driving over it, don't I? Yeah, you know, I've heard that before. Um, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a cost benefit every time you run equipment over a field, right? It, it, I think it comes down to a grower's tolerance level, right? Um, in terms of disease pressure, as well as potential crop damage. I mean, look, every time you run a tractor across the field, you're potentially compacting the soil. Um, or not, you know, or you're knocking down crop, which certainly in wheat, you're knocking down crop. 
Yep. And, and, and I know in a situation like that, I would consider an aerial application if at all possible. If you're really concerned about knocking down your wheat, an aerial application is a great option. I know that has a tendency to be a little bit more expensive, but you know, you got to kind of weigh your options. Uh, it's either run across it with a ground rig um, and protect that wheat quality, save yourself some money when, when you take that grain to the, the local elevator, you know, or you, you spend a few more cents an acre and put it on with an airplane. You talk, you spoke about um, in a season like this, and we're not going to get into the climate change debate or any of that stuff, but most of the diseases you all mentioned are of a fungal variety or in a, or in a soil, um, the kind of stuff we need seed treatments for, they're all enhanced and in fact, proliferate, um, worsened by wet, humid, hot, right? Wet, humid, warm. Um, and uh, those are also conditions that we usually want. You know, a greenhouse is wet, humid, and warm, and that's how why we grow stuff there. But are we seeing, are we seeing worse disease stuff or are we just better at detecting it now? Is it worse now? Uh, or are we just better at finding it and treating it? And that's why we have record yields. So this is my opinion. This is an opinion of one. I want you to have opinions. I, I think I think it's a little bit of both, honestly, Damien. I think we certainly do a, a lot better job scouting for these diseases now. I think there are better reporting tools available. There's certainly better crop models available for sure. Um, but I do also believe, I mean, if you, if you take a look at, the relative humidity, the average um, daily temperatures uh, across the country. Yeah, it's nobody likes to talk about, and I don't want to get into that debate either, but our temperatures do change and they do vary year to year. Um, so it is something to keep in mind and, and certainly another reason to kind of stay in tune with, with what folks are seeing locally. Kim Tudor, she is um, giving us a great deal of information about disease pressure, particularly as we look at wheat and corn. Uh, do we need to do anything more on wheat? Because I want to do a general wrap up, but we kind of closed here with wheat. Is there anything about wheat that we didn't cover? You talked about a product called Spherix. You talked about a big problem called Don. You talked about a head scab. You talked about the vomitoxin issue. The vomitoxin issue is pretty big because, as you said, you can't take this and drop it off at the grain. So when we take this to the elevator, they're going to be testing for vomitoxin on wheat this exactly. in 2022, right? Yep, exactly. If it's got too much of it and they say no, because all of a sudden General Mills can't buy this and make Wheaties out of it, then what's your recourse? Okay, I'll grind it up for uh, cattle feed? Well, it's not something you want to give your cattle, that's right. for sure. Right. Um, but you 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 don't have a lot of options, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, it... it a lot of these growers, I think, have, have as this disease continues to expand and proliferate, are, are just feeling the effects financially. A lot of times what these local elevators will do is they'll, they'll basically pay a grower a lower price yeah. if they've got a higher Don level, and then they'll basically blend it. The solution to pollution is dilution. I think exactly. Right. Right. That old yeah. adage. That's right. Um, what have we not covered, Ms. Kim, about everything when it comes to, okay, we talk about scouting for it. You said most of these things, by the time you see it, you're already losing yield. So the, the best, the, the best uh, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure kind of a thing, right? Exactly. You nailed it. That's right. And, and if we are too late, is it, should we just throw in the towel? I would say no. You, you know, I think what's really important is to remember with a lot of these fungicides, particularly ones with, with curative activity, you've got about 72 hours, okay, from, from the time that infection starts where you can stop it. Ooh, um, so wait a minute. I'm sure glad I asked that question. 36 hours? 72. You got 72. about 72. Got 72 but hours. here's the thing. If those, if those infections, if those lesions started more than 72 hours prior to that application, you can't stop those. So we're, we're sort of going to cut off the bleeding where we can, um, but know that, and I think that's, that's been kind of a, an issue with a lot of folks that are, are battling tar spot. They'll say, well, I went out and I sprayed, but I don't understand. I've still got lesions in my field. Well, that's because you've got 72 hours to stop those infections. So it's like an incubation thing. And once, once it's gone, 
there's no stopping it after the third day. So you, do we need to be out here camping out in our field? Do I need to take a tent out there and stay in my field every day? What do I need to do? No, I, I, I don't know that. Well, I mean, you can, um, especially if you got your buddies and, and your six pack, like you were talking about before. Hey, I mean, trust sure. me, if I'm spending three days in a cornfield, <laughs> I'm gonna need more than a six pack, right? <laughs> okay, so um, what I'm really hearing here, Kim, is this again, just points out prevention, prevention, prevention. Exactly. Plan, plan, plan. Have those conversations now. Start having those conversations for next season as well with your local reps, with your retailers. Um, there, there's nothing better than, than doing your best and planning ahead. Her name is Kim Tudor. I think that, that wraps it up right there. Diseases, we're not going to get away from them. In fact, they, they might be a little worse, and we also are just a little bit better at detecting them. We talked a lot about the, the ones that are hurting us, uh, recapping them. It's southern rust, gray leaf. Is that it? Gray leaf spot. And we're not going to do the, the Latin names on these because we Please don't. don't. We don't do I appreciate of, that. We don't speak a lot of Latin here at the Cutting the Curve <laughs> podcast. Northern leaf blot and, of course, tar spot. And then in wheat, it was uh head scab uh don which is a shortcut for something and then you talked about soy which is not your wheelhouse mostly that's an issue where we got to treat that with seed treatments uh is what our real problem is there her name is kim tudor technical marketing director at basf if somebody has a more in-depth question specifically about your area of expertise how can they find you Sure. Uh, you're welcome to reach out to me directly at Kimberly.tutor at BASF.com. That's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y dot T-U-T-O-R, like you're going to tutor a student at BASF. Uh, and by all means, please don't hesitate to reach out to your local BASF field representatives and tech service representatives. You're awesome, by the way. I thank you for being here. And um, I think we're going to probably have to visit again about disease pressures because uh, the whole thing was about disease pressure 2022. And we're recording this in early June. We know that there might even be another discussion to be had come August. So thanks for being here, Kim. No, thank you for the opportunity, Damon, and uh, really appreciate it. All right. Till next time. Thanks for being here. Share this with all your uh, farming friends because you know what? This can make them money. It can save them money. It, uh, it also can save them a lot of grief because, uh, again, this is all about disease pressure 2022. Um, check out all of our great stuff at extremeag.farm. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason. Thanks for being here at Cutting the Curve, where we promise we will shorten your learning curve because we've made the mistakes and we bring in great experts that can help you learn by listening to us. Thanks for being here. Till next time. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.